Internal. Town Hall. Morning. The town hall is arranged for a conference. The colonel enters the open space. Cobb is at the podium, writing. Flint and Silver Queen finish setting up chairs for the audience. The colonel takes a seat at the front. The outside door opens and Huskins enters. Morning. Glad you're safe. Huskins smiles, looking around at the other's faces, and then sobers up. I am. How about you? Richards and Flint exchange pained expressions. It's only getting worse. What were you doing out so late? I couldn't make progress during the day with all those soldiers hovering around. Huskins glares at the colonel. Richards enters with a camera and tripod. Everyone's here. Let's get this over with. We'll need as much of the day as possible. Cobb? It will have to do. Let them in. Richard sets up the camera facing the podium and Flint opens the door to the outside. An assortment of townspeople file in and fill the chairs. When everyone is seated, Cobb clears his throat and the buzz quiets. Thank you for coming, everyone. I know that a lot of you have questions about what's been happening. This morning, we're going to give you answers. Cobb clears his throat. But first, I'm sorry to announce the untimely passion of Farmer Cornelius Keller. A staple of our community, he will be greatly missed. Cobb turns towards Silver Queen. Gary, would you like to say a few words? Silver Queen hesitates but nods and approaches the podium. The crowd buzzes. As the last person to speak with him, I would like to invite Gary White to speak. Silver Queen takes Cobb's place. If you don't know me, I'm Gary White. I perform in drag at Silk's nightclub most evenings. One of the townspeople in the crowd speaks up. Wait, are you and Cobb? Cobb leans in to the microphone. Ah, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, yes, we are in a relationship. Silver Queen smiles at Cobb. Isn't that kind of... Everyone at the front of the room tenses. Disrespectful to your brother? Everyone sighs and relaxes. Joseph Cobb was a man who loved his town and his family, despite the fact that he never fit in. Were he alive today, he would see a very different situation than the one he grew up in. Silver Queen takes a deep breath, then continues. But this change came at a cost. Long years of estrangement and pain. Many times, he told me how he wished his family could all just love each other. And were he to be watching now, I know that making his dream a reality in some small way would finally bring him peace. The crowd falls silent, except for a few sniffles. Richards pokes Silver Queen. Gary? Cornelius? Silver Queen snaps to attention. Oh, right, uh, of course. Uh, Cornelius. Silver Queen opens their mouth, closes it, then turns to Richards. Actually, I didn't really know him that well. What? I mean... Was he married, or... Just say what you said for Cobb! I lived with Joseph for ten years. I knew Cornelius for, like, ten minutes. He died for you! Yeah, and we had, like, one conversation. Just say something nice, you... Alright, alright. Silver Queen opens their mouth, closes it, then turns to Richards. Was Cornelius his first name or his last name? Richards storms up and boots Silver Queen off the podium. She directs the speech at the audience while giving Silver Queen the stink eye. Cornelius Keller was a beloved member of our community his whole life. He was dedicated to the defense of this town, country, and fellow man, and woman. His death will not be in vain, and he will be sorely missed. Well, you wanted me to be honest, Chief. What happened? Was it the serial killer? <laughs> if it were that simple? Cobb steps up. 
Colonel. You have something to add? The Colonel gets up and takes the podium. I'm Colonel Orville. The soldiers you see outside are under my command. Colonel, why so many? Why here? When we received word about what was happening, the killings, we assumed we were dealing with cartel activity. Cartel? Out here? Absolutely. They specifically choose little nowhere towns like this one to make it difficult to track production and movement. They hide equipment in trailers and old warehouses. The colonel looks at Hoskins, who turns red. For the last time, we do not... You're still under investigation. The colonel turns back to the podium. Then we heard something about monsters and chemicals, so we had to take extra precautions. But why haven't you been defending us? We needed to collect intel before we can fire. For all we know, this could have been an elaborate ruse. Cobb steps forward. Thank you, Colonel. And thank God nothing's classified anymore. I'm taking the heat from the feds for this one. You're welcome. For those of you who don't know, we're dealing with a supernatural enemy. Supernatural? These are mutants from the old nuclear testing site. Scientifically, that doesn't make sense. Uranium fallout would never be able to- Now, hold on. Let's stay on topic. Richards, Flint, will you bring that thing out? Richards and Flint enter a side room and come out again, carrying a chair. The monster is tied to it, still in its straitjacket. A hubbub emanates from the crowd. Richards and Flint set it down a little ways from the podium. Calm, calm down, everyone. This one is secured. The monster struggles against the ropes. One by one, various townspeople stand and pipe up. Mr. Mayor, what is that? Monsters like this one are coming out at night and attacking people, so we need everyone's cooperation to prevent more deaths. Is this a joke? That's exactly what we thought, but no. When will it be safe to go out at night? By the end of this meeting, we hope to have a plan to end these attacks once and for all. There's no plan? Cobb looks toward Huskins. I understand you've been researching this. Huskins nods and steps to the podium. My name is Eleanor Huskins. Some of you might remember me as your fertilizer PR rep. The crowd starts mumbling. No, this is not happening because of the fertilizer. <sighs> anyway, your law enforcement team came to me to identify what was creating these monsters and what can defeat them. Hoskins looks at Richards and Flint. By the way, you were correct in your guess. Cutting them into pieces just creates more monsters. So their numbers are growing exponentially. Exactly. How do we destroy them? Hoskins nods at Richards and Flint. In a lab setting, I found fire to be extremely effective. Lab setting? You really think we can get in a shipment of flamethrowers by tonight? We can improvise. Our fertilizer is quite flammable before it dries. The crowd mumbles. That's why you follow the recommended usage instructions. Well, that's something we can work with. Hold on, Colonel. This can get dangerous. The corn is high, and we risk setting the fields on fire possibly the whole town. Right, and we're not going to be able to get fire trucks in here. Richards glares at the colonel. To minimize risk, the best move would be to set up an effective defense. We can make a safe bunker for the town and build channels to funnel these monsters' movements. That is, if we can lure them to a central location. You've probably observed this yourself, colonel. They're attracted to noise. Have we found out why that is? Flint runs forward and grabs the microphone. It's because they have big ears. Shut, Shut up, Flint. Flint. Flint sits back down. In order to stay safe, everyone will need to follow our orders tonight. Exactly. My team will be building up fortifications the rest of the day. At dusk, 
We'll need everyone gathered in the town center with anything you have to make noise. Pots, pans, horns. The crowd mutters. Cobb steps back up to the podium. I know it's not the ideal situation, but if we want our lives to return to normal, we need to follow the colonel's orders. We need to come together as a community to protect ourselves and each other. We're counting on the efforts of every last one of yous. The crowd grumbles, but still doesn't move. Richard steps up and grabs the microphone. Look, this is a matter of life and death, okay? Now, get off your butts and actually take control of your lives before you lose them. The crowd gets up and leaves the room quickly. That was inspirational. Shut the hell up, Flint. Chief, what do we do with that? Huskins points at the tied-up monster. Well, Huskins, how about you demonstrate that fertilizer for us? External, police station, evening. In the time that's passed, the soldiers have built up walls of sandbags. Armored trucks are strategically arranged to create corridors. Soldiers are in position with fertilizer and weapons at the ready. The sun is setting. In the center of town, behind thick barricades, Cobb is instructing the townspeople. Nearby the opening to the corridors, the monster is tied to a stake, surrounded by kindling. Flint, Richards, and Silver Queen are holding torches. Huskins has a container of fertilizer with a spray attachment. Does anyone else feel kind of weird about this? Now, can we have our revenge? Not yet, I said. Chief. What? Does anybody else feel kind of weird about this? What, you mean compared to everything else that's happened? I mean, doesn't this seem kind of, you know, barbaric? What are you talking about? It's just, we have due process and lawyers now. I thought we moved past the whole witch trial thing. Flint, that thing kills people. Yeah, but isn't this vigilante justice? What if it's sentient? It doesn't have a brain. Yeah, but... The colonel watches the sun dip below the horizon, then yanks the torch out of Flint's hand. You don't shut up, do you? All right, Huskins. Have at it. Huskins makes a few well-aimed squirts at the pyre using the sprayer. Okay, make sure you don't let too much get airborne. Just a little bit should do it. Usually it takes an hour to dry, so we should be okay as long as we reapply. The colonel rolls her eyes and shoves the torch back into Flint's hands. She marches up to Huskins, grabs the fertilizer, pulls off the spray attachment, and starts dumping fertilizer on the pyre. What are you doing? That stuff is powerful! The colonel stops boring. What's it going to do? Explode? In mind if you put on that much! The colonel thinks for a moment, then resumes dumping fertilizer. Oh my god. The colonel chucks the empty container to the side and grabs Flint's torch again. Take cover, everyone! Richards, Flint, Huskins, Silver Queen, and the soldiers all duck behind the walls and cover their ears. Fire in the hole! The colonel throws the torch on the pyre from a distance. There's a loud bang and the sound of shattering cobblestones. When everyone pokes their heads up, there's a blackened crater where the pyre used to be. How's that for noise? Richards looks at Huskins. Was that recommended use? Huskins stares at her. Flint high-fives Richards. Colonel, they're coming! A lookout soldier points to where the cornstalks are moving rapidly. Positions, men. Just like we drilled. The first monsters emerge from the cornfield and run down the funnels. Soldiers on top of the sandbag walls douse the monsters with a fertilizer mist. Then, as they run along, soldiers further down ignite them. The monsters run a little further while ablaze but soon fall to their knees and collapse. While laying down, they start writhing and pulsating. Colonel, look! Something is happening! The monsters burst open and popcorn spills out of their bodies. Well, 
That worked better than I expected. Carry on, boys. More monsters pour down the funnels, but some groups slam against the sandbag walls and vehicles. Colonel, are those going to hold? They only need to hold long enough. Monsters start ripping the sandbags and climbing over the vehicles. Persistent, are they? Team Delta, cover that end! A cluster of soldiers run to the break and ignite the monsters. More and more monsters tear down the walls and pour in. Soldiers keep igniting monsters, but gradually become overwhelmed. Monsters swarm the soldiers, grab them, and start tearing them apart. Richards blows a whistle. There's a sound of revving engines, and the addicts ride in, with Jimmy leading them. The colonel turns to Richards. That's our backup? You're really being picky right now? Richards tosses a fertilizer jug to Jimmy, and they circle the monsters, strategically torching them. Each falls and explodes into popcorn. The monsters' numbers dwindle. Chief, you should have me lead support group. I'll think about it. The popcorn piles up to knee height. Out of the fields steps the last, the largest monster, carrying a cornstalk like a spear. It spins the stalk like a windmill, and the popcorn begins rolling back toward the fields. Uh, Chief, isn't the wind blowing the other way? Flint and Richards watch as the piles of popcorn roll and turn into a huge pile in the field. A second huge pile forms, both taking the form of a leg, and the popcorn continues to form itself into a torso on top. Now what? The popcorn fully forms itself into a towering golem with arms, legs, and a head. It stomps towards the walls of the soldiers. Well, that's new. Same procedure, boys. Cobb points at the golem. Colonel, wait. The wind blows some of the popcorn off its body, and the pieces fly toward the town. If we set it on fire, those pieces can end up burning the whole town or the fields. Right. So we switch to standard arms? It's popcorn. How tough can it be? She gives the order to open fire. The popcorn is slightly shredded by the bullets, but the golem is not slowed in the slightest. It swings its arms and knocks a group of soldiers flying. It grabs another soldier and swallows him whole. The addicts scatter and drive away. Fall back! Colonel, that one's controlling it. Richards points to the last monster, the one holding the stalk like a spear, partially hidden in the field. That's the one that killed Cornelius. Chief, allow me... Richards blows her whistle, and Jimmy swings his bike near her. Silver Queen grabs a tub of fertilizer and jumps on the back. Jimmy drives them toward the monster, and as they approach, the monster throws its stalk like a javelin. It hits Jimmy's front wheel, and the two of them go flying. No! Jimmy and Silver Queen lie on the ground, bruised and scraped up. The monster walks to the overturned motorcycle, picks up the stalk, and moves toward them. Hey, dude. What do you do when things get really bad? I just get up and keep going. I figured if I can save even one person, it will all be worth it. Well, you did it, dude. I'm not afraid of being better anymore. The monster raises its weapon. As it moves to stab Silver Queen, Jimmy pulls them out of the way. Silver Queen reaches out and grabs the tub of fertilizer on the ground and aims a blast at the monster. Jimmy pulls a lighter out of his pocket, lights it, and throws it at the monster. It gets engulfed in flames. As the monster falls, the golem stops moving. All the townspeople cheer. Jimmy and Silver Queen get back on the bike and ride back. Cobb steps out of the bunker and stands next to the monster. Great work, everyone. We won. Everything is going to be all right. The golem suddenly lets out a mighty roar, reaches down, picks up Cobb, and swallows him whole. 
The townspeople scream and cry. The soldiers point their weaponry at the golem. Hold fire! There's people in there! The golem is pelted with pieces of busted cobblestones. It turns its attention to Silver Queen, flinging handfuls of rocks. Let him go! The golem steps towards Silver Queen and swings its arms. Silver Queen dodges the attack, grabs their weapon, then rushes forward to strike the golem in the legs. The monster attempts to stomp on and kick them, but Silver Queen dodges again. There's an idea. Can we trip it? And then what? Those arms and legs will pulverize us. Well, we have to do something. Right now, Gary's the only one trying. If that kid's got a death wish, that's not my problem. It will be soon if we don't help him. Silver Queen climbs up one of the partially destroyed fortifications. The golem leans forward to grab them with both arms, and Silver Queen dodges. They strike the golem in the head with their weapon. The golem roars at him in annoyance, and Silver Queen takes a diving leap into the monster's mouth. No! Told ya. Death wish. Come on, grab some rope. Flint, Richards, and Huskins grab a long rope. Okay, you two stretch out the rope, and I put that thing off balance like Gary did. Then you clothesline him. You can move like Gary can? We're about to find out. Flint runs toward the golem. Wait! Flint dodges the stomp, but trips and falls. The golem scoops him up and swallows him whole. The monster starts walking back toward the town people. Flint! Got any ideas that don't involve getting eaten? I don't know. Flint's the idea guy. Yeah? How'd that work out? The monster reaches the bunkers, and the townspeople cower and scream. The monster starts tearing at the bunker, swatting away soldiers that try to intervene. Huskins? Huskins holds up a jug of fertilizer. If we're all going down, we can take that thing with us. Well, come up with something better than dying in a fire fast. My team can't hold it back. Richards puts her face in her hands. Think, think. A piece of popcorn blows off the golem and bounces off her hands. Her head snaps up. She catches another piece in the air, looks at it, and pops it in her mouth. Well? Richards blows her whistle. Jimmy pulls his motorcycle up to her. She jumps on the back of the bike, and they speed toward the golem. Damn it! Not you too. As Jimmy drives, he dodges the golem's swings. Richards reaches out, grabbing two handfuls of popcorn off the monster, and stuffs them in her mouth. As the two of them return to the colonel. That's it? That's your plan? You got any better ideas? The colonel stares at her. All right, boys. Chow time! The soldiers take turns distracting the golem while other soldiers dart in to grab handfuls of its legs. Other soldiers grab canteens of water to help them wash down mouthfuls of popcorn. The golem roars in protest as its size diminishes. Soon the monster's legs are incapacitated and the arms are damaged too. Richards runs to the bunker townspeople and shouts to them. We need everyone's help. The addicts fly past on their motorcycles and stuff their faces. More and more townspeople come out from the bunkers to help eat the monster. The addicts roll up joints and give them out. Yo, gotta get the munchies. In a short amount of time, the golem can no longer move or attack. Oh my god, did it speak? Who cares? That thing tried to kill us. But maybe we can learn something from it. Richards steps forward. Monster, where did you come from and why did you attack us? Was it a secret military project? The fertilizer? The drugs? Nuclear radiation? What was it? It was the curse. The golem collapses and ceases to move. Flint pops his raised fists and head out of the monster's torso like an alien chestbuster. I knew it! Richards runs to him and pulls him the rest of the way out. They embrace, 
Another hand pokes out of the monster. Flint grabs it and pulls out Silver Queen, who in turn is holding Cobb's hand. Cobb and Silver Queen look at each other. I didn't know if we would make it. I was afraid of losing you. No, I knew you would save me. The colonel turns to Richard. Well, I don't really believe what just happened, but nice work, Chief. The colonel holds out her hand to Richard's who shakes it. Suddenly, the colonel pulls Richards in and smushes her in a bear hug. Everyone gathers around to help more soldiers out of the monster and eat the last of the popcorn. Night falls. Internal, Richards' house, morning. The morning sun streams through a crack in Richards' curtains, but the rest of her room is dark. Richards lies in her bed, pale, rubbing her stomach and moaning in pain. Her cell phone rings. She answers. Hello? Uh, hey, Chief. It's, uh, you don't sound so good. You don't either. Yeah, I was calling out, but uh, you're sick too. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have eaten that monster. Think the whole town's like this? Probably. And those soldiers, what are they, in tents out there? Oof, I don't know. Ow. I'll get my wife to bring you soup. You don't have to do that. Well, somebody's got to take care of you. By the way, how'd you come up with that idea? You're the idea guy. I thought about what you might do. <laughs> well, I never could have come up with something that ridiculous. That was all you. Thanks, Flint. Speaking of ideas, you owe me for being right about the curse. Owe you? We never had a bet. I was thinking about that last night. You know, it still doesn't make any sense. I mean... What curse? Who made it? How? When? Why us? And why now? And- Flint's stomach gurgles loudly. Ow! Oh, chief. Wait one second, please. Sure. On the other end of the phone, there's a sound of rapid footsteps and a toilet flushing. <sighs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I've been doing that all morning, too. Hey, I, uh, just had a thought. What's gonna happen a few hours from now? You know, in the sewers. I mean, if the whole town ain't a monster, aren't you gonna tell me to shut up? <sighs> I don't know, Flint. I just don't know anymore. Outside, sun rises over the peaceful cornfields. Miles away in another field, two farmers are harvesting beans. One turns to the other. Hey, I got this idea for a movie. What is it? It's a horror movie where a mysterious force makes the bean plants come to life and start killing people. I call it the bean stocks. <laughs> That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Who would ever want to watch something like that? Yeah, you're right. They go back to work. <laughs>